Welcome to The Next Level, a podcast from the Team Performance Institute. Here we provide actionable insights on modern leadership and team development, driving higher levels of organizational performance and life empowerment. I'm your host, John Sanchez. Join me and my team as we take you on the journey to the next level. Hello and welcome everyone to The Next Level. John Sanchez, and I'm here with a very special guest, Bridget Ruiz, a friend and a friend for many years to Team Performance Institute. This is a special series we're doing on leading through chaos, and I can't think of anybody better to have on this for the topic that we're going to talk about. It's like really leading in, inside the home. But let me give you a little background on my friend, Bridget Ruiz. Um, great friend. She graduated from the United States Naval Academy in 1998, she was the number one female graduate from her class. Uh, she was in the Hall of Fame for Navy Athletics. She went on to serve honorably in the Navy. She was one of seven women on a ship. Many neat stories around her background of going over, overseas and working as a, as a Naval officer. I got to be on a team with her, uh, we're an athletic team where I watched her win two Olympic, a military Olympic gold medal. She was a two-time world champion in the Naval Pentathlon, and she was named Navy's Women's Athlete of the Year. Um, just so much amazingness comes out of this woman, and I'm just so excited to have her with me. It just, it's just great, and she's been a great friend for so long. She's also launched a successful, very successful career uh, with Sixth Wing. It's an executive coaching and facilitation firm. Um, Bridget, Thanks for being with us. Tell us, tell us a little bit about, um, well, first, thanks, thanks for being here. Thanks, John. I was super excited to be here after that somewhat um, embarrassing and lengthy introduction. It's great to be here, and I can't wait to have this conversation. I know you hate the conversation. We're just going to get away from that, that huge intro, but just establish that credibility for you because you are one of the most amazing people I've ever met, and many people come to you for advice and coaching. But let's, let's just start with where you are right now before we get into our subject matter, which is gonna be around parenting. Tell us a little bit about your current enterprise, Sixth Wing, and, and what you're doing with your executive coaching and facilitation firm. Definitely, um, so five years ago, my Naval Academy freshman year roommate and I were both doing executive coaching separately, and we decided to join forces and create our own firm. Um, and it's been an awesome adventure, so we, do executive coaching, team coaching, and facilitation events for a wide range of clients. We have a foothold in the nonprofit sector and then run the gamut on being industry agnostic. Um, and it's been a really fun adventure. I think probably one of my favorite things about the work we get to do is that it feels like it's been able to continue to fulfill my service ethic after my time in the Navy to keep helping people, you know, and helping organizations run more smoothly. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's right in line with your, you know, we talked a lot about Team Performance Institute. It's, it's right in line with your purpose, right? When you align your passion and your purpose together with your own, your own business, it's fantastic. You're built to serve and you've done it in so many different ways. Um, I want to focus a little bit, you know, what you've given me so much advice in counseling and coaching over the years. Some of the best advice I've ever received is through parenting, like your parenting advice, um, 
Bridget is the mother of three incredible boys, um, and you homeschooled them. This was a choice that you made when they were very young, when they were in their early grade school uh, ages, and um, it was a it was a conscious choice you made after after getting out of the Navy. And I really want to dive into that because so many people, uh, men and women, um, parents, all struggling with this new reality, and we were all of us, including me, forced into that reality with this pandemic, right? All of a sudden, we're, we're sitting at home and, and we have uh, children with schoolwork to do. It's not homeschooling, as you, as you well know. I want to be very respectful of those homeschoolers out there. But, man, we got we to force into it. Let me, let's just start with, let's start with a why. Tell us a little bit about why you chose to, to make that choice in your life to, to work with your boys in the homeschooling environment. Yeah, definitely. The, um, you know, just to paint the picture for now, right now, my three sons are 17, about to turn 15. And next week, my youngest turns 11. And if we rewind the time machine, we were at the place where we were, uh, my husband, I had gotten out of the Navy, my husband was still active duty, he was in a really high deployment operational tempo at the time. And I had the really good fortune of having two different families that I was watching homeschool. And what was really interesting about it, so my oldest had gone to pre-K and he was in kindergarten and we were thinking about what was gonna come next in terms of first grade. And um, one family that I was watching, they had five kids and they were homeschooling, very structured, very organized. They had a system where every grade, as kids moved through different grades, our kids were a little older than mine. Um, you know, they had transcripts at the end of the year. Everything was very organized. And then on the other hand, I had this other amazing friend. She had three kids. They were also both Navy families. Um, and they, there is a, a method of homeschooling that's called unschooling. And it's essentially founded on the belief that kids are hardwired to learn all the time. And so schooling doesn't have to be as structured as we sometimes think it needs to be to be successful. And so this other family that I watched they ran an unbelievably intellectual and um, like mentally challenging household. And other than math, almost nothing they did was structured. And so I was watching these two do it completely differently. Um, having these amazing older than my kids who could have conversations and were interesting and were, you know, walking around with books in their back pockets. And it just really opened up my mind to, huh, there's, lots of ways that this can look like what might I want this to look like for my family and in that freedom mixed with the fact that we could build a schooling schedule that worked for my family schedule right that when my husband was home which wasn't that often we could actually be available and not be tied to a school schedule we could travel we could you know flex our schedule to accommodate some of the rhythm of our life at that point um, I just kind of decided to give it a go. And, um, it, you know, and it, it was a fantastic experiment and exercise while it lasted. We ended up doing it. My oldest son homeschooled first grade through fourth grade and didn't really start formal school until fifth grade. My middle guy did kindergarten first and second at home and then started in third. And then my youngest um, started in kindergarten. And so we decided to enter the school system later when homeschooling stopped working as well for our family, we had moved, we had a different community at the time. Um, 
And so I share all that because I think we chose to do it because it had amazing advantages and it's been really interesting to revisit it now, um, you know, and remix some of those things in and see how it feels now with older kids who can really run their own show. And then my youngest, it's a different equation right now, you know, with the pandemic and kind of how school feels. Um, but it's a, it's interesting, I think, to think about all the ways it can look instead of feeling like it has to look a very specific, structured way. And I think that's one of the challenges right now as schools are working so hard to make this work for everybody. Um, I think we can get caught up in some of the structure the schools are putting out and forget to pause and think about what we want it to look like in our household. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, something that I'm struggling with in, in my household is different schools, right? So my children are in different schools and there's different expectations set up by the different, by the different school systems on how to do it. So it's almost as if we have two different households, you know, r running right now. I love how, I love how you said, Rachel, you said we decided to do it. It was kind of an experiment. And doesn't it feel like that sometimes? And, and unfortunately, a lot of, you know, a lot of parents have been kind of forced into this. Um, and it's going to be different. Let me just, you know, ask the question. I think a lot of us are struggling, you know, with this, with that difference is, is does it ever feel like you're doing enough as a parent? Uh, I think absolutely not. I think, <laughs> I think, yeah, if I could validate one of the challenges right now over and over for everybody is you, you will constantly second guess. You know, I think we all think, our kids' education is one of the most important things. It's one of the building blocks for their future success. And there is no question that when I was homeschooling and now that we're, you know, doing it again now, I constantly struggled against the worry of, I don't think I'm doing enough. I don't think I'm setting my kids up well enough for success. And I think that, um, you know, I had other parents at the time, again, this other, these other homeschooling families I know keep saying, no, you trust us, like you're doing fine, it's fine. And the reality is, is when my boys transitioned into mainstream school, it was much more seamless than I ever expected it to be. And mm. I had spent the entire time sure that maybe I was actually, you know, not setting them up adequately. And so I think just knowing that you're going to constantly question that right now and worry, is this enough? What's going to happen? Are they going to be behind? That's actually an inherent part of the process. I mean, this is why amazing teachers, you know, do what they do and it's their profession. They know those benchmarks and you just realize as a parent, you don't know those. And that lack of knowledge of is my kid okay academically is a real struggle. I think it puts so much pressure on the situation right now. Yeah. And then there's the, and then there's also like, am I okay with all of this? Right. As well. Like, how do I get comfortable with that reality, that uncertainty? You know, what would you say to those parents that are struggling out there that are like, I think I'm doing enough, but I guess, you know, like, like what you're saying is you're never going to feel like you're doing enough. How do you, how do you just kind of settle into that? Because we still have a few, you know, a few weeks left of school. Um, how would you coach somebody to help settle into that uncertainty? I think I would take two pieces of it. One, there is the uncertainty that is so universal right now with COVID mm. that is weighing on all of us. And I think that one of the things that happens as human when we're uncertain 
is we look for somewhere where we can get more control and more certainty. And so the first thing, if I was coaching somebody, is I would spend some time kind of separating out the universal uncertainty that as the human race we are all feeling right now from the actual acute school uncertainty and make sure that some of the general uncertainty, the economic uncertainty, the social uncertainty, all the parts of that are not accidentally lumping on top of the school uncertainty. Because I think sometimes we, in our concern, we then transfer our concerns onto the things we care most about. And like I said, I think feeling like our kids are okay and feeling like we are doing enough for them is one of our biggest concerns and worries. Right. So I would try to separate out what am I actually concerned about when it comes to the actual exact schooling piece and get clearer on that and not let it be a big reaction. When it comes, like, you know, that big reaction to all of the uncertainty sort of be showing up in your concerns about school. Um, when it comes to the school piece, I think that one of the gifts of flexible education, because I think homeschooling is its own thing, online learning is its own thing, and our amazing, you know, schools and teachers are doing the best they can to shift what was supposed to be in-person education into distance learning. It's not the same as online learning because they would have set up a whole system for a whole year of online learning. That's right. Uh, you know, so this distance learning or distance schooling or whatever we want to call this is its own category. I think one of the benefits that I learned from homeschooling that can be applied right now is to pause and consider who your own kids are and mm. then figure out a system that works for your kids and your family and sort of be willing to individualize that because you actually have the flexibility to do that right now. And right, we've got parents who are working, trying to also manage school. And like a great question I would ask is, to consider your own personal level of structure that you prefer and your kids' level of structure that they prefer and how can you make school work in a way that works for both of you? Because I've seen so much advice right now, you know, in articles and online about like start a schedule, start a schedule, start a schedule. Well, we don't, I'm not the most structured person by nature. I actually don't prefer a firm schedule that's not helpful to me right now amid all this uncertainty. So, and this was true, you know, when I was homeschooling and COVID wasn't in the world, the way we did it was every morning I had this little whiteboard and I would write everything that had to get done for the kids. And then I would actually give them control over the order in which to do it and when they did it. The reality was just that they couldn't, you know, move on to certain like, unstructured full playtime or whatever until the, the things on the list were done. But if they wanted to screw around and work their day in an order where they didn't finish some of their stuff and for a long time, I was willing to let that go. And the consequence was, you know, there were certain restrictions on what they could do and whether that now would look like, you know, access to video games or whatever that might be. But I actually gave a lot of the authority of when things happened to them because that was the flow that worked in, in, in my house. But that's not the flow that was going to work in somebody else's house. Um, yeah. You know, so I say all that because I just thinking through what works best for that kid, want kid A versus kid B, 
and what works for you as a parent and what do you need around work? Like, what are your constraints? And then just trusting that designing the system that works for your household is more than enough right now. It doesn't need to look like anybody else's. Yeah, one of the things that you said to me when I, you know, years ago, <clears throat> I had three young, you know, young ones running around and my kids are, you know, just for background for everybody, my kids are now 16, 14 and 12. So we're just a little bit behind you in this, in this age. And I'm reaching out right now to the parents who are parenting. You know, we're all going through this in just such different ways, guys. You got parents with very young children, parents with newborns, uh, parents with, you know, and, and, and Bridget, you're in my, you know, realm right now where we're kind of managing teenagers. Then we have parents that are having, you know, their college kids home. And then we have people, you know, worried about their parents, right? All Everybody's going through this in, in different ways. But going back to the homeschooling thing, I said, Bridget, how, you know, how do you establish, you know, routine and how do you establish, you know, how do you know what's going on? And one of the things you told me, and I'll never, I never forgot, is that you just got to suspend the idea of school is going to look at home like it did at school. Like the, the idea of this is going to be drastically different, right? That your son might be actually just rolling around on the floor playing, you know, for a half an hour. And he's not going to sit at his desk and, and be able to do it. Can you talk a little bit about just the, the perception between, you know, the physical space versus, what, you know, what it is now, Phys physical space of school versus what we're dealing with right now? I think this is a great one, John, because I think as parents, you know, we have this mental image of what the school day looks like in a normal time. Three months ago, we all know what school looked like. And so there's the inherent assumption that, Whatever we do now, we have to replicate that in some way. And I think one of the things that I really realized when I was homeschooling is that, you know, a lot of time at school is about group interaction and group movement and getting, you know, 25 kids through a process. And that is one of the things that when that group aspect goes away, and obviously that brings up some social aspects that parents are also, you know, attending to of how to get their kids levels of connection right now. But on the academic side, one of the first things I learned about homeschooling is it just doesn't take nearly as long as you think it does. Like you're thinking about the length of a physical school day at the physical school, but the actual for one kid to accomplish the academic topics that they need to get through it doesn't actually take that long because you are moving at exactly your kid's pace. And so I think opening up your mindset to it's not a, pro if your kid is getting through all of their work in 57 minutes, that's okay. Um, I think, you know, if it, and then there's another day where maybe it takes longer, but letting go of it needing to look the same. And I think one thing that I spend a lot of time, I'm doing it right now with my fifth grader, is distilling down like what is the main point of this exercise and is my kid getting the main point and what I mean by that is you know one thing that's burning out my fifth grader right now is all the typing you know he hasn't he's not a great type type keyboarder yet and so by the end of the day on some days I just see that he's just dragging down to execute the work because of the time it's taking and so I'll pause and think okay on this social studies process like the actual most important piece of this is that he has learned the information so if I take over as his you know he dictates and I type and that for him shortens the time literally by three quarters 
we are accomplishing the main goal of that assignment. And it's not just wearing him out so that, you know, by the end of the day, he's melting down. There's no reason, like, I can alleviate some of that and help with some of that. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think sometimes we think like, oh, they gave the assignment. This is what it's supposed to look like. The kid has to do it all. So I think distilling down, like, what's the real point of this assignment? Are we meeting that goal? Okay, let's figure out our own way to meet that goal. Yeah, I like that. And we set those expectations, those high expectations on ourselves, possibly as parents on what we had 20 or 30 years ago, right? What, what it was supposed to look like. And we have no idea what some of these teachers are struggling with in their homes trying to teach this as well. And so, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways, the expectations that the teachers are setting are also, you know, I don't I want to say hopeful, right? We hope that this, this can come back in this way, but I think they're probably a little bit more open to working with parents these days and working with the with the students as well. I have different personalities, like you mentioned in my house. My my second son is more introverted and he's like, Dad, I never want to go back to school again. I'm loving this. This is like my way to go, right? And my daughter is struggling a lot with the social aspects because she wants to go out and be with her friends and she wants to do all, you know, have you know different world. Um, I just switch gears for a second. You said about, you know, having, you know, certain things, you know, you can get it done in like 57 minutes, but they were supposed to do that for, you know, it was supposed to be longer or, you know, it was, it was supposed to look different. How are you communicating with your, with your kids? How are you communicating? What would you suggest in terms of, you know, communicating to the, to the school or, you know, with your husband? around, you know, around this work, right? You know, what's, what's, what's a good mode of communication that you can set up around this? Yeah, I think, you know, um, again, and I really, cause when I was homeschooling up, my kids were small, you know, I mean, when my first grader was in first grade, I had one in preschool age and a baby, a baby baby. So I really empathize with the parents like who have younger kids right now. I am in the lucky position where my older kids my high schoolers are able to, you know, handle most of that communication themselves. What we've done in our household is we have set the expectation of, you know, okay, this is what we expect from you guys. We expect you to get your stuff done. For our older kids, if you're having problems, we are here to help, but we expect you to run your own show, basically. Um, and then when you need help, come ask and we'll figure out the solution between all of us, you know, my husband, myself, and the kid involved of do we need to communicate with a school? Is this something we can handle inside our house? Um, I think, John, you nailed it when I give so much credit to our teachers in our schools right now because this is not what they are designed to do and they are figuring it out on the fly just like we are. And I think sometimes we as parents get, um, you know, we interpret it like, oh my gosh, they expect all this, this isn't working. I think just being willing to communicate, I have found that, um, you know, my own kids' teachers have been unbelievably helpful in supporting, hey, let's figure out a way that makes this work. If, if this assignment needs to wait an extra week, if you need to deprioritize, you know, a specials class a little bit in order to get some of this other stuff done. Um, I think being willing to communicate and figure some of that stuff out and to, to kind of think through what are my own internal priorities, what are our own as a family, and as long as we are meeting those, then we're going to think it's okay, regardless of if we're meeting the external expectations, you know, honestly, of the school or of anybody. Like, what's most important right now, I think, is that we create an environment for our kids where they feel safe and supported. 
and the school stuff will sort itself out. I mean, if I learned, I learned a lot of things while we were homeschooling. One of the big ones I learned is that kids really are wired to learn. They are like, they are little sponges walking around. And if you miss, if you, you know, I'm going to put this in air quotes, if you could see me, if you miss something in terms of them learning six or eight months later, when they're older, if you need to scoop back around and pick that back up, they are unbelievably able to. And in some ways they're even more able to, because they're even older developmentally. And so they learn it even faster. So I don't think this is a zero sum game where there's some like level where you have now reached catastrophic failure and you cannot fix the problem. This is actually a very fluid flow where everything can be revisited and fixed. Yeah, that's right. We like to put our, you know, schoolwork in grades, right? Because you do, mm -hmm. you, 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 there it is, like, you know, and, and this isn't, right? This is far from it. This is not black and white. This is not pass or fail. This is learning. And we're all expected to be in this new environment of learning together. Um, I want to just to explore this for a second around parents that are really struggling, right? Where it switches from very quickly from I'm supposed to be schooling, um, you know, I'm supposed to be working with my, my young student on this to immediately switches over to parenting, right? Because now they're really, it's frustrating and I'm just, oh, I'm, I'm losing my stuff because man, you know, and then, you know, you, you switch quickly out of the, the scholastic mode and into the parenting mode and then you're into the, you know, um, uh, you know, separating and trying to do all those things. Um, what boundaries can, would you recommend parents can set for themselves and, and maybe for their kids that would be helpful when it gets to that level of frustration? Yes. I, this is interesting because this is something that, you know, four months ago I was working with my corporate leaders on just realizing around feedback inside their teams and everything else. And you realize so many of these systems are universal. The single biggest thing I would say is always be willing to hit pause and walk away and circle back to something later. And, you know, all the science and all the neuroscience, you know, there's that concept of the amygdala hijack, essentially when you get elevated and activated emotionally to the level where you are starting to lose your rational thought and your amygdala, your emotion center is taking over. Yeah. That is by definition, a state that is incapable of learning. And so when you have, you know, when you as the parent are having that moment and yes, your kids are having that. Yeah, so, that's me as the parent. I'm like, come on, prefrontal cortex, please come into the room. Come back, I need you back. <laughs> the, uh, but I think, you know, in your kids, I mean, we are seeing our kids, there is an unbelievable amount of change and disruption in their life and fear and uncertainty around what does a virus mean and, Right, our kids are hitting that place. And what I and I can remember this from my homeschooling days, and we've had it in my house in these past two months. You know, you're you in parent mode, you're like, we just need to get this done. We just need to move on. The kid is melting down, tears, all of it. Right? Nobody's nobody can learn in that state. Nobody can learn. And so I always thought, you know, the message about learning that I wanted to send to my kids is not that it's about checking boxes and just getting things done. So just pause, you know, if it means you have to email the teacher and say, we're going to turn this in next Tuesday rather than Friday. If it means you say to your kid, you know what? I, I had this exact thing a week ago. You know, I said, look, I, mom can no longer have this conversation right now. 
<laughs> we just have to wait. We both, and he did not, he kept coming back and saying, nope, like, I, but I want to get this done. And I said, I, I cannot, I cannot do this right now. We yeah. both need to just take us some time, go, go ride your bike, go, go outside. I'm going to go do whatever. And we are going to come back together later and we'll figure this out then. That is perfectly okay. I think it's modeling, you know, all the right kind of emotional regulation and skills that are life important for our kids instead of I'm going to get this one assignment done by 4 p.m. today. Yeah, that is, a, there's a really special um, gift we've been given in this, in this world now. And that is the power of pause. It's not like you have to finish this up by 4 p.m. and then get to soccer practice, then get over to, you know, dance and then get over to lacrosse. And, you know, it's, it's just, hey, you do have more time. We do have the ability to communicate with our teachers and schools around this. And I think there's a lot more compassion that we're probably allowing ourselves, you know, in that, in that dialogue with the schools. I know they're trying and, and we're all, it's all a trying time. Bridget, this has been incredible. And I think, um, you know, I, at first I'd just like to thank you for um, the level of service that you have dedicated your life to with not only, you know, not only serving um, the world, our country, you know, what you decided to do as a young woman and go to the Naval Academy, which is a whole other incredible story to um, the modeling that you did as a Naval officer for many people. And now, you know, um, you've helped Team Performance Institute by doing some of our women's empowerment uh, summits and helping women enter into the technology field and kind of go through the complexities of what it's like to be a woman in the workplace. But thank you so much for just taking the time today to talk about what it's like to be a homeschooling parent and your current reality of, you know, homeschooling your, uh, not homeschooling, um, you know, distance. I like how you said it, uh, you know, this kind of distance schooling of your, of your children right now. Um, Bridget's has three incredible boys um, who, when, when Bridget and uh, her husband Coleman, who is also on one of our, our podcasts and we kind of glazed over his background. Um, but if you look in, into the next level, you'll see Coleman Ruiz, uh, who is a former uh, Navy SEAL and a brother, a SEAL team brother of mine. Um, when I went to their wedding, I just thought, when these two produced children, I want to be around and see this. And I said that right at the right at the wedding. It probably wasn't appropriate at the time, but if you could see the see them now, you'd be really impressed with what incredible young young men they have become. And um, Bridget, thank you for sharing your insight with us. I'll leave you with um, leave you with last words. Last question for you is: If you were, you know, to look back in your days. Um, where it was frustrating and where it was hard and where you were adjusting to the reality that you chose to, to homeschool your children. Can you give yourself a little bit of advice now having the perspective of seeing your, your kids grown and having reintegrated back into a school system? What would you tell yourself? Yeah, I would tell myself two things. I would say one, trust yourself more that, that you're doing enough. Trust that your kids will be okay trust that you are doing enough and that that constant nagging worry of I don't think it's enough is actually a very reasonable parental fear that I think we all carry for our kids. So trust, trust myself. And then the second one, which, you know, goes right hand in hand with trusting myself more would to be to be more, you know, compassionate and kind 
towards myself and my kids at the time. And I think that right now, you know, we need to hyper fall back on being kind to ourselves, being self-compassionate and just realizing that, you know, doing the best you can is the very best you can do. And it's enough. It's always enough, no matter how much we fear that it's not. So to just take that deep breath and take some of the pressure off, there's so much universal pressure right now that we're only hurting ourselves when we layer it on with self-judgment. So take a deep breath, you know, love your kids. That's what they'll remember the most from this time. And the school stuff, it really does sort itself out later. Um, and so, yeah, one day at a time and lots of self-compassion. I love that. I, I thank you, Bridget, for that, because, it, you know, we, you know, we coach a lot with that and, and helping in our regular world, just having self-compassion. Um, but now more than ever, that is so important. And my wife, you know, likes to, in terms of love, like, you know, just remind herself, remind me that nobody's going to love our children more than we do. And that is the, that's the strongest thing that we can bring into their lives. So when all else fails, just loving on them is going to be okay. And we're going to get through this together. Bridget, I'd like to thank you one more time for being a part of this, uh, this special series of Leading Through Chaos. You've been such an incredible uh, friend and partner to Team Performance Institute. And thank you. And we look forward to having you on future podcasts. My pleasure, John. Have a good one. All right. Take care. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us on The Next Level. We hope that you found a couple of tips or insights today that you can take into your daily life. To learn more about our leadership training programs, our executive coaching programs, and the Team Performance Institute, please visit us at teamperformanceinstitute.com or email us at info at teamperformanceinstitute.com. Hope you have an awesome day.